Good evening. I hope you went home this morning and turned the news off and then read Daniel chapter 7. Tonight, Hebrews chapter 6. If the message this morning was calm down, the message from Hebrews 6 is continue to grow. Listen, please, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. That would be the entire chapter, Hebrews 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of the instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For if God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises." For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So... When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner peace behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner 
on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This was written to Christians who were beginning to suffer severe persecution because of their faith. And in that suffering, there was and always is the temptation to compromise in a worthless effort to reduce the pain of persecution. When temptation is allowed into us in this way, spiritual growth stops. You're persecuted, you want it to stop, you compromise, spiritual temptation, I mean spiritual growth stops. And we gradually become dull, indifferent, and we develop what might be called a spiritual learning disorder that keeps us from advancing to knowledge and better practice. And this is what the Hebrew writer was facing in the hearts and lives of his readers. I want you to notice back into chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. That's the lead-in into chapter 6. The writer was talking about Jesus as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he said at verse 11, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So here's what spiritual growth is. It is what you start to do and continue to do after baptism and until you die. And if you don't, spiritual death becomes your fate. What an eternally tragic thing to witness when someone is baptized and you never see them again. Or you see them for a while and they're gone. They do nothing substantial spiritually after baptism. No attendance, no growth, no follow-up. The Bible teaches that spiritual growth is what you start to do and continue to do after baptism and until you die. The Hebrew writer is grappling with that matter out of chapter 5 and into chapter 6. And I want to show us this evening for a few minutes three things about what's written in Hebrews chapter 6. It could be expressed this way. And I'm sorry that whoever prepared the PowerPoint left the font so small. Leave and go on. Leave and go on. I know the PA system is working better than the one who prepared the PowerPoint. Leave and go on. 
Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. We have an expression that we use. We've adopted over many generations in the church when we talk about first principles. When I was growing up, there was a Bible class for people who had just obeyed the gospel called first principles. And when someone was baptized, the elders would highly recommend they go into this separate class. And that class was about what have you done and what does the Bible say about how you were able to do that and where do you go from here? Urgently needed. And one of the teachers in that class would say, and this is what I heard right after I was baptized when I was in that class, he would get up and say, Welcome aboard to the ship of faith. Get your Bible out. Let me show you around. First principles. What have you done? Why did you do that? Where do you go now? So important. Leave sin or whatever error you were involved in and go on toward perfection to be complete in your knowledge and in your daily responses to God. Cover well the first principles, but don't get stuck there. I was an eager student of music before I started preaching, Tom. And there were fundamentals of music that you had to learn <clears throat> right at first. You couldn't put that off. The eight note scale, the chromatic scale. You had to train yourself to hear intonation. You had to learn time signatures and harmony and dynamics and tempo. And I had a music theory teacher at the Army School of Music who on the first day of class said, if you don't know the fundamentals, you're going to be behind in my class because we're going to use the fundamentals to go beyond the fundamentals. You hear that? We're going to use the fundamentals to go beyond the fundamentals. So in a sense, you leave the fundamentals, but in another sense, you take those with you to go beyond the fundamentals. There are people who know the fundamentals, but they never really get beyond that. They never do move on. They mastered the first principles. They obeyed the gospel. They didn't just go any further. And the Hebrew writer wants to move his readers on to maturity. The Hebrew writer says, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ being high priest after the order of Melchizedek. But you're probably not ready because you're dull of hearing. So let's talk about being dull of hearing. And let me move you on. You need to dig deeper. When you think you know the fundamentals... Don't be so proud of that that you don't move on. There's so much more in the rich treasures of God's Word waiting for us to understand and use. So we always tell people, attend every service and be in every Bible class that you're able to be at. Read your Bible every day, but make it not just a habit or a routine. Dig deeper and use what you learn. Progress improvement, moving on toward greater maturity in faith 
and in practice. Part of my time in the Army band was to train bugle boys. In the 1960s, there were about 24 bugle calls that every trumpet player had to learn. And there were always some young men who learned to play all those bugle calls from memory and play them well, but they never learned anything else. And you know what happened? They remained on bugle duty during their entire tour of duty and therefore forfeited a lot of promotions that might have been ahead. There was no concert band, marching band, stage band. They were satisfied to be stuck on that fundamental level of performance. Some never auditioned for anything else. Well, you need buglers. You need first principles. But you need to be well-rounded. You need to move on. Use the fundamentals to move beyond the fundamentals. I know preachers who never get beyond just a surface level of study and delivery and work. And when you've heard them once, very likely you've heard them again. Excellence in serving the Lord in whatever function should always move us to do our best and move on from where we are to where we know we must be and where God expects us to be. It says not just laying the foundation over and over again, but going on toward maturity. Paul expressed it in Ephesians as growing up toward the head, Jesus Christ. Oh, those small fonts. Beware of moving so far back that you cannot move forward anymore. I'm going to navigate this carefully. Beware of moving so far back that you can't move forward anymore. Verses 4 through 8. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since, here's what they're doing, they are crucifying once again the Son of God. You can't crucify the Son of God and grow spiritually at the same time. To restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So, here's what we call reality. If you fail to grow, and you don't correct your course, and you continue to fail to grow, you go to a place where you can't grow. And you don't want to go there. We all know 
it's possible, but we don't like to talk about it, but we must because it's right here on the page. After baptism, at some point, you just keep slipping and keep slipping and drifting and losing your way away from God and you just keep going going, and deeper and deeper moving in the wrong direction into darkness at a point where you don't even turn around and try to find the light. You're lost. You don't care. And you resent any efforts to bring you back. In fact, even if you see a rescue boat, you pilot your wrecked ship further away from the abyss. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go to a place where preaching doesn't reach you. You don't want to go to a place where people pray for you, but you don't care. You, you just keep going in the wrong direction and you shut your ears and your mind. And loved ones who try to reach you are resented in their efforts. And your Bible is unread and your world becomes this world and your ruler eventually becomes not Christ but the devil. You don't want to start that pathway. You don't want to go there. It has become impossible for anyone to turn you from your determined eternal destination. And as long as that dark eternal destination is your determination, you're going to get to that destination. Banished from the presence of God forever. Crucifying the Son of God over and over again to your own harm. Holding him in contempt. Getting to a place where you were like an uncultivated dry farm. Covered up with thorns and thistles. Worthless and ripe to be cursed. And its end is burned up. The whole point of this is you don't want to go there. You see how bad this could be. You don't want to go there. So what do you... What do you do? You grow. You grow so that you can always be reached when you slip up. The imperative of this passage is go on to maturity. Do those things God has graciously provided so that you continue to grow and become stronger and better. Pray and read your Bible and assemble. Sow the seed of the kingdom. I tell you, we've got to do that. We've got to do that. Not just to build up the membership, though that's a byproduct that's good, but it's not primary. The primary reason to sow the seed of the kingdom is God said do it. And there are people who are lost. Now when you try to push seed into dry parched ground and people resist your efforts, what you can say to yourself when you go to bed at night is, I did what God told me to do. Grown-up Christians sow the seed of the kingdom. The kingdom we talked about this morning that will last forever and ever. Obey the Lord in your personal life, your family life, your community life, your local church involvement, we must be grown up Christians. 
We are not locked into any earlier choices that took us away. Growth is always about not letting decay set in so that it becomes our permanent state and our destination. Growth is energy applied. Growth is energy applied. It's hard work. You have to work at it all the time. Growth is resisting temptation. Growth is not losing hope and not getting behind in your spiritual progress. It is about, look at verse 11, the desire to show the same earnestness, earnestness to have the full assurance of hope to the end. I uh, know you can't see that. But I'll tell you, the, there are better things, a better way through faith and patience. When you get down to verses 9 through 12, it's optimistic. You don't have to go to that dark place where there's no growth and where you are like parched land where no crop can be cultivated. You don't have to do that. The writer says, he says in verses 9 through 12, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we are sure of better things. Things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. And you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It may at first seem when you read out of chapter 5 in Hebrews into chapter 6 that the writer is heavy on chastisement about their dullness, their lack of growth. He certainly exposes the problem. But do you see in verse 9 the encouragement in his exhortation? Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. You know, this sounds like a coach. Team didn't do good the first half. And they come back into the locker room before the second half. Coach says, come on now. You can do better. I know you can. We feel sure of better things. And that's what we need to say to each other. And to ourselves. We can do better. And for this church now, this is urgent. We need to say to each other, we can do better. Then we need to do better. The writer says, God is not unjust as to overlook your good work. The love you have shown for the saints isn't unnoticed by God. Show the same earnestness to have full assurance of the hope until the end. Come on now. Don't give up. 
I can do better, you can do better, we can do better. And right in the middle of this passage in verse 12, there is that word, sluggish. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have resources written by Greek scholars, but I don't have to consult them on this word. Sluggish. Can you hear it? Slothful. Slow. Dull. Lazy. No vigor. Small fonts. Minimal effort. There have always been people who are eager to know and may even ask the question, what's the least I can do to just get by? Now, does that sound pitiful and whiny? The words just come out of the mouth almost like mud that grumbles and is gloomy and grumbling. Do I have to attend every service? Can somebody else do this job? I'm tired. I have other things to do. Here's where you can get serious about all that. Can you ever imagine standing before God and saying, Well, Lord... I was so busy with other things. I'm sorry, but I hope you'll let me get away with it. I hope you'll overlook my minimal effort. Lord, I know what your word says about zeal and abounding in the work of the Lord and sowing the seed of the kingdom and talking to people about the gospel and participating as a member of a local church. I've memorized all the fundamentals. I graduated from the first principles class six weeks after my baptism. I attend most of the time on Sunday mornings. I continue to put that dollar and a quarter in the box. We can't imagine trying to convince the Lord that minimal, routine, ritualistic effort was or is sufficient. I want you to listen again. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers, uh, the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those 
for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints, and you still do. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness, to have the shame, the same to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Spiritual growth is not some option for a few. Spiritual growth is not something that at any level becomes optional. It's life. It holds promise. Hope unto the end for those who are imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, let's go home and turn the news off and shut the computer and the phone down and read Daniel chapter 7 and calm down and then read Hebrews 6 and just keep growing. Let's be standing while we sing.